The Big Money Podcast. It's your window into outlier stocks and what really moves markets. Don't follow the news. Follow the big money. You'll hear us talk about how big money leads us to the best outlier stocks and how it impacts financial markets. Here's a look through the lens of how we see stocks, markets, and life. The Big Money Podcast. Hello there, Lukey. How you doing, buddy? Hello, Jason. Welcome to the Big Money Podcast, everyone. I am Lucas Downey. The esteemed Jason Bodner is with us with a very nice beard. The one and only. The one and only. It's December 9th, 2020. Got a great show. It's going to be something really cool. We're going to talk about the bonus level of investing. But before we do that, and we get into what that is, what's up with you? How are you, my man? Man, I'm good. I uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like mentally I'm already in slowdown mode. You know, end of the year is that time. Everybody's like, eh, feeling a little lazy. Got to do my Christmas holiday shopping. Normally, obviously, in a pre-COVID land, we have parties to plan and all that stuff and every everybody gets distracted from their work uh, I feel um I don't know I just feel like the general vibe is heading that way right now and it's December 9th normally start to feel that stuff maybe about 10 days from now so I don't know about you but uh still very busy over here um did you get me anything for Christmas or mm. did I make the list? I hope you like coal. What was that? A bum bum ching? <laughs> I don't know. I think I just lost sound. So whatever the ding was, I'll hear it later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I did get you something, but not, you know, let's Let's save it for surprise, but um, no, just getting ready for the holidays. Um, excited to, it's nice weather down here. Actually temperature dropped in the forties in Florida. That's like apocalyptic. You, you see these people running around in their like puffy vests and Ugg boots and you're like, come on guys, it's, it's Florida. You don't need that stuff. So it's snowing up here. So wow. we, we got some snow. The kids are excited, dancing around, you know, snuggle weather is what we call it. I do miss the snow. Um, I don't miss being pent up in a small apartment while it's snowing outside and you've had enough of the snow. You know? Yeah. Well, the good news is, Jason, they've, they've got a vaccine. I saw that William Shakespeare received the vaccine. So all signs are pointing to good things, my friend. Good yeah, things. right after the 90-year-old grandma. So, yeah, I, I mean, I heard reports today that um, distribution could be out as soon as December 15th um, with authorizations from insurance taking up to 96 hours. So, you know, vaccinations could very well begin before Christmas here 
which is really interesting. I'm hearing the same type of whispers. So I think it's a state by state thing, but we've got friends in Connecticut that are talking about, I can't remember if it was frontline workers, if it was teachers who, who were going to be the first to get some of this, um, to get vaccinated, but either way it's coming, get excited. Hey, do you think, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know my answer. Do you think there's going to be a black market for vaccination? <laughs> like a dirty vaccine? Like, you know, I don't know. No, I'm serious. I mean, it doesn't it stand to reason, this is a great segue into stocks, that people with big money mm -hmm. get access to things first, you know? Uh, we'd love to think that life is an even playing field and everybody gets equal opportunity. But I think we all know that if I were sitting on $500 million in my bank account versus the teacher who's desperate to get a vaccine first, I think uh, we all agree that I have at least the odds of tilting the the, the probabilities in my favor of getting it first. So, you know, I, I read a little news blurb that, the, you know, prepare for the black market of the vaccine, you know, how news likes to get people all riled up. But so that's where the idea came from. Yeah, that's the first I'm hearing it. So listen, I'm all ears. But and think about it. What about it? You know, big money knows first, right? Don't they know first in stocks? They do know first in stocks because, Jason, they start to buy them. And that's the interesting thing about our data. When you look at the stock market from the lens of data and specifically big money data, it's not a lot of, you know, in and out and in and out and in and out. It's, it's a constant stream. And, and, you know, since they've been talking about the vaccine, November ninth i believe that it was it has been a steady stream of big money going into stocks yeah so where does that leave us now i mean since november and i guess that's a good segue into the the bonus round what's what pushes our big money index up higher every day is big money buy signals being more than big money sell signals over 25 day moving average right? So as that big money index rises, we all saw the market rising. And, you know, we're going to get into just a moment where that money was getting deployed. But all that means is that, you know, the data is pointing to big money flooding into stocks, and it reaches a point where buying becomes unsustainable. And what has happened? Historically, we have found through our data that once 80% of, of all signals over the past 25 day, days on a moving average, when 80% of those are buys, that signals that unsustainable buying has appeared and a market peak is nearby. So the question is, well, hey, if map signals data just said we're going to be overbought in a day or two, which happened a couple of days ago, so we have been overbought uh, for a few days. If Last we're now Thursday. overbought, 
shouldn't I dump all my stocks because I want to avoid a market rollover and, and get out of the way and I don't want to jeopardize my profits. So, I mean, this is where Luke's got to talk about the bonus round because I know you like bonuses. I listen as a kid, I'll tell you a funny story. Got a half sister. And when I would go, she's older. When I would go stay with her, you know, we'd play Super Mario Brothers. And I remember vividly getting to the bonus level in Super Mario. And there was a way you did it. You know, you went down one of these green tubes. Yeah, you cheated. Come on. Well, the funny thing is, is you could get into this warp zone, right? You go into it, you, you go into the warp zone, you come out somewhere else. But what I remember was she used to pick on me because she was like, she's like, Luke, you know, the bonus level is right over there. Just go jump into that, that, that hole. There was like a, a pit or whatever. And, and anyway, I would die, but I would keep trying to get to the bonus level. I wasn't doing it the right way. Still to this day, every now and then she will bring that up and it's hilarious. But again, what does that have to do with stocks? Well, stocks have the bonus level as well. And the bonus level is when things get a little frothy, you know, and stocks get way up there doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to crash near term. In fact, what we'll be writing about tomorrow in the blog post, mapsignals.com, is we're gonna be talking about how we tend to stay overbought for a decent period. And in fact, if we go back and we look at the 30 years of history of the, the big money index, I wanna say last time we looked at this, it was like 17% of the time we were overbought. It's a decent number, but even if we just look past the pandemic, we stayed overbought, I want to say four months. So thing is, you got to be really, really slow to, to sell everything and run for the hills. And, and you oh. really have to endure um, an overbought frothy market for, for a period of time. At least the data says that. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So we went back and we looked at our 30 years of data and we found that um, from the day the big money index logs its first overbought until that big money index peaks is on average about, I think it was 23 trading days. So that tells us Historically speaking, over 30 years, the BMI should peak January 6th of 2021. But the BMI peak indicates that big money buying has slowed down and maybe sellers have appeared, but the market can drift higher thereafter. That's when we want to be, you know, not adding stocks and looking to sell when the BMI peaks, because if you do it early, to your point, Luke, the average is 23 days, but May 6th this year, the market went overbought. The big money index said, hey, we're overbought. Get ready for a, be vigilant for when the big money index peaks. It didn't peak for months thereafter. And quite frankly, when the big money index finally fell out of overbought territory, it was September 2nd. Now, why is that meaningful is because if you had sold stocks on the May 6th 
I think you were looking at something like a 27% return on the S&P. So yeah, that's respectable. But if that, that's from that, the low, that's from the low, from the low, from March's low, that's right. But okay. if you had held until the big money index peaked or, or even went over out of overbought, you would have had a 65% gain. So the point is, once we go overbought, it doesn't mean dump your stocks, like you said. It means be very vigilant because once that big money index slows down and starts going the other direction, that's the indicator of when markets are probably going to fall nearby. Right? So you're so you're telling so I'm looking at the market today. I know there's people that are looking at the market. Nobody looks at that stuff. That stuff will kill you. S&P's down 87 basis points. The NASDAQ's down 187 basis points right now. Now, that doesn't mean the sellers are coming out, folks. That just means the market is down. We got to wait for the market to close. Let's see who wins the day. Because I know a lot of people, you know, they'll even email, they'll send some questions. What are you guys doing? What do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you what we're doing. We're waiting on the data. You know, since we went overbought on Thursday, now, an overbought, that means getting 80% of where this big money index is. The highest you can go is 100%, which I don't think that's ever going to happen, but anything's possible. This morning, we clocked about 91%. So, I mean, we're up there. You can't get that much higher, but, it can but what you can do is you can drift sideways yeah. for a decent period of time. And that's that bonus level, which... If you guys used to play the bonus level, that's where you rack up a lot of points. You might get a few more hearts, you know, to play the big bad guy that's ultimately coming, right? And that's <laughs> going to be the market pullback. Nobody likes the big bad guy. Unless, of course, they know how to deal with it, right? Didn't you, I'm sure you vegged your brains out countless hours in front of your Nintendo or whatever it was. But you get to the point where you played the game so many times when the boss level comes, your friend comes over and watches you just take him down in record time. It's because you've done it. You've been prepared. You know how to deal with it. So the analogy holds true. It's like when stocks eventually roll over and pull back meaningfully, you know, we're talking like six, seven, eight percent for the overall stock market which might make you people cringe out there, but look how far we've risen in, in not too long. But if you're prepared and you know what to do, and let's say you did unload some good stocks, take some profits, raise some cash. Well, when that big boss man comes, now you have cash, you have extra gains. You were in the bonus level. You can go look for deals, you know? Da-da-da-da-da-da. This would be a great time to like insert that little theme music or whatever. But no, that's totally true. The, the, the way you win in the market is number one, you got to be patient, right? So you yeah. can't be, you know, swinging the ax every single day and bobbing and weaving and in and out and breathing hard and all that type of stuff. It just doesn't work like that. What you got to be doing is you just got to take in all the data, take in all the information, sit tight. And then you just got to wait for the opportunity and the data will give you that opportunity. I firmly believe that it has in the past. I believe it will in the future. And that's the thing. 
you know, we're in extreme times right now. We just went through a pandemic or in a pandemic rather. And the big money is just going into the market. I mean, there's just uh, the uh, printing funds left and right. Rates are at zero. You know, these are extreme times and there's so much liquidity everywhere. So you got to be very careful to call a top. You know, this is one of those types of markets where you say it's a process of making a top and, and rolling over and all of that. But you know, typically it doesn't happen on one given day. The data needs to confirm it. The data needs to start slipping. It needs to start changing. It needs to start stinking a little bit. Acting yeah. strange. I know you like to stink. I mean, the stink. Stinking. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, there's a lot of dip buyers out there. So you got to be careful. And the data is the data. And that's basically it. So don't, you know, don't, don't, don't pull the trigger too soon. Got to give it time. And the patient investor is going to win. And so it's, it's, it's really easy to sit and, and wonder when's the top. You know, I get text messages from friends you know, asking me, you know, what's the data says? Has it changed? Has it changed? And, you know, the narrative's been the same and it's going to continue to be the same until the data changes. And so what do you do in the bonus level of investing? You kind of just sit and, you know, watch your 401k just go up. It's pretty boring, Jason. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, while we're talking here, the market is catching a bounce a little bit. Um, but it is, that's the thing. It, it can be boring. Here's the deal, right? Some people love the trading, the excitement, the, you know, the bells, the whistles, the green, the red, the flashing lights, the, the adrenaline, the rush. I mean, that's cool. I like that. I used to like that. You remember back in the trading days when we each used to have four screens and, you know, 30 phone lines in front of us, two handsets, like running around like chickens with our heads cut off. It, it's a fun feeling. But what do you feel like after a whole day? You feel like you ran around to stand still. And our, what you and I figured out a long time ago is the energy needs to be spent in figuring out which stocks to own. And when you figure out the best ones and you get odds in your favor, we're not talking 50-50 odds here. We're talking 75% and higher that you're going to pick a winning name over time. Well, then the game is rigged in your favor, right? We, we've talked for a long time that the stock market overall is rigged to the upside. You, you came up with that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're like, look at a hundred year chart. Stocks go up. They all go up eventually over time. Now, how do you beat the market? That's the real question. We figured out a long time ago, the way to beat it is not like you just said, the ins and the outs and the dodging and swiveling and, you know, craziness and buy, sell and, you know, literally your hair on fire. The energy's got to be spent in finding the outliers, that 1% that of stocks that's going to put you in the 1% of 
you know, wealth earners because well, I was having this conversation yesterday. I like to trade. It's boring. I was like, yeah, but if you just buy them and wait and hold, it's boring. But I can't think of anything else that will do better over time. Is yeah. I, I think that's the key. The key is you really have to zero in on the great stocks, right? And 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 and, and if you're new to investing, it's it doesn't come natural to you know try and isolate the great stocks and and to think about you know profits and and, and hold on one second. So look, let's talk about outlier stocks. You know, you've got, you know, people that are new to investing trying to figure out what, what does that even mean? You know, how do you find the stocks of tomorrow? And it's not like going and buying a car. You've talked before, Jason, about buying a, a washing machine or a dishwasher. You know, people will spend days and weeks sizing that machine up. You know, hey, do I get it from Home Depot? Do I get it from Lowe's? Do I get it from Walmart? Let me go read the reviews. Let me reread the reviews. Let me do all of this. They will spend a lot of time doing that and then not put the same type of effort into stocks, which makes no sense. Yeah. My and it's like totally was, backwards. My point was if someone just called them up with a stock tip, they'd probably either call their broker or do their online broker and just buy it right away. Yeah. I, logic is like, oh, I don't know. Somebody did it. So somebody told me it's, it's going to make money. The, the thrill of it going up, I think it's just too much to pass up. And I think, I think that's the rub with, you know, starting with investing, you know, we all kind of have to take our licks. We all have to get taught a lesson, but eventually you figure out what a good company is. You figure out what a fad is. And then you start to, you know, put all of your efforts on the former, you know, looking for a great company, who's growing their earnings, who potentially can pay a dividend down the road. I mean, that's the holy grail of investing. So well, what we're doing. Let's, let's just take that concept one step further for the sure, people. Sure. Okay. I was having a conversation today. I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a, a quick um, sidetrack, but here's the deal. If you pick a great growth company and it's volatile and it's up and down, it's all over the place, but you buy it and you hold it. And over the course of the next five years, they really hit their groove and the, and the stock triples, quadruples, even goes up 10 times. And then it potentially splits and you end up with more shares at lower prices but you've experienced all that capital growth along the way and you're sitting on big profits and it feels so good and you want to sell some, but you stick with it. Stick with me here. You hold it. And then generally, slowly over time, they come around, they say, okay, it's time to pay a dividend. But before that dividend comes, it splits again. Now you have even more shares at even lower prices, but still your capital went up because the stock appreciated along the way. Eventually, if you hold that stock long enough, like Warren Buffett style long enough, you could be getting quarterly dividend payments that eclipse your initial investment and be sitting on a monstrous capital gain. That's that long-term view. 
Now, here's the second part of the sidetrack, Luke, because I think you're going to find this interesting. I was having a conversation with a great friend this morning, and it was, it was more philosophy and life and having the long view and the short view. And I told him about you meeting Luke years ago. I met this 20-something-year-old kid who kept telling me to think about stocks 30 years from now. And it would drive me bananas. I'm like, what are you talking about? I want to make a gain in the next month, in the next week. By the end of the year, I want to grow my capital base. How could you think about three decades from now? And I was so consumed with the trading back to the ins and the outs and the short-term profits. And it takes so much energy and it's draining. But slowly over time, you won me over naturally. You always do. Because I love you. Love you too. And what I came to find, this is, this is the philosophical piece, is by focusing on the long term, even accepting the fact, because Luke was saying, hey, if I grow my wealth, my great-great-grandchildren are going to know generational wealth. And I'm like, well, what good is a billion dollars if you're not there to enjoy it? You know, so you're an extreme case. And I was thinking about the end of the year. So as I grew to start to focus on the long term and have patience and understand that you plant little seeds and then you come back and water them and you and you look at them. But then there's a beauty of freedom, because what does it do? It frees you up to focus your time on the near-term stuff where it really should be. You know, yeah, I want to send my kids to college. Yeah, I want to make a bunch of money. I want to retire. But if I stress about it every single day, I'm going to miss all the stuff in the meantime. So if I do a little bit every day for the long-term, if I wait until that market is ugly and fearful and I'm going to buy some outlier stocks and I'm just going to hold them, I'm not going to worry about when to take profit. Not going to worry about my gains. I'm going to spend my energy finding the best of the best and holding on to them and think about it for years from now. I know it's boring, but what does it do? It allows me to spend the days now asking my son how his day was at school, enjoying the time with my wife because I'm stressing less and less over how I'm going to make things good for them in the long run. So the point is philosophically, as I was having this conversation with my friend, the benefit of thinking about the long-term is actually alleviating the stress in the short-term. It's very counterintuitive, but it's something that you got at a very early age. I didn't understand at all because I was so fixated on making as much money as I could by the end of the year. But the real gift was thinking about that long-term horizon. I'm sorry to go off on that tangent, but <clears throat> I think it's meaningful and I, I think it has a lot of context. Well, it makes me feel good that you listened a little bit. I'm sure there were some other things I've told you that you wish you'd never heard, but um, <laughs> when it came to investing, listen, that's one thing that I, I really want us to do with map signals is to try and yeah, I mean, we're trying to take over the world of data and the stock market and all that type of stuff. But, you know, what started out is, hey, let's have a 30-year time frame, which is crazy as that is. 
man, that's gotten sped up really fast when you have a huge bull market like we've been having. So, and you hold outliers and you hold outlier stocks. So like, if you could expect a stock to double over three years, I mean, they're going up some of them five, six times in a year and everything's just happening so fast. And I think that also, you know, happened with the pandemic. So, but you shared stats with me yesterday. Yes. Can I read them off? You know, yeah, go ahead, please. One of our accounts, Luke and my accounts, we started in March of 2017. There are 36 stocks in it. 13 of them, that's 36%, have at least doubled. 55% of the stocks, more than half, have a return of 50% or more. And 80% of the stocks in the portfolio are positive. The second account we started, if I'm not mistaken, in June of 19. Yes, it's almost a year and a half. Coming up on 18 months, 94.2% of those stocks are positive. That's 16 out of 17. And the account itself is up 52% in a year and a half. So your concept of speeding things up in a big bull market, yes, but it's also, it's what you hold. The energy has got to be spent on the outliers. So when we're in this bonus round here, don't be selling out of your outliers while the market could drift higher another 10, 20%. It's possible. Listen, that's, that's the thing. I mean, we've, they've got stimulus talks that are, that are happening. And I even talked to some friends from back home and they're, Apparently this is all over the news because that's all they wanted to talk about. Wait, when's the stimulus coming? You know, which red flag right there, folks. But um, I think I think it's important that, you know, once you've been doing this for a few years and you kind of get in your groove of like, hey, these are the type of stocks that I want to own, right? And you and I, Jason, you know, we're kind of birds of the feather here. We flock together. And, you know, we're kind of attracted to the same types of companies. You know, these are just look the, like a bird, by the way, big bird. <laughs> a big floppy You're bird. like a big swan, like a big gray <laughs> swan. Um, um, <clears throat> excuse me for that. Let me clear my throat. But um, <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't. Yeah. No, 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 no. Listen, tell them the truth. Is important. We're, we're birds okay. of a feather. I got to get you back on track. Yeah, we're birds of a feather. We're looking for great companies that really are just dominating the area that they're in. You know, they basically are the number one and then everybody else just kind of falls in line. And, you know, and if they've got a great business and they make money, that's just, you know, icing on the cake. And so what I really wanted to say is while those stats are great, and those are, those are real and those are personal that, that we know that it took years to, to get to that level. It took a long time to understand when to, to be buying with both hands, right? It took a while to understand that, Hey, I kind of got to sit and, and let the account do what it's supposed to do. You know, it wasn't, you know, in and out, in and out, you know, Oh, and, and pain and anguish or anything like that. Cause that's certainly really not the exhausting. way I want to make money. It's so exhausting to spend all that energy. Like you don't need to, 
you, and that's you don't need to. People look at us sometimes like we have three heads. Like, what do you mean? You got to be in there treating. You got in. No, like we want to focus on owning the best of the best. That's the most important thing to us, you know? That's, that's exactly right. So I think as we, you know, wrap up this big long segment and we talk about the bonus round is, you know, tell people, you know, that are listening, just be a little patient, you know, let, let the stocks are going to do what they're going to do. You know, we're going to use data to try and navigate that landscape, but great company, it's really hard to keep a great company down for a long period. So, you know, if, you know, enjoy the bonus round, enjoy the overbought market. Don't, don't freak out so much. Don't worry about selling the top and all that type of stuff. You know, if you want to get a, you know, a good look at what we're doing and, 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 and what we think about the markets, you know, follow our blog post. We'll tell you when we think the, the pullback is coming, but um, very rarely are you going to hear the big bearish, big, bad, scary headline narrative from map signals. It's just, uh, Actually, you'll probably hear bearishness when everywhere else you're going to hear a lot of bullishness and a lot of cheer. Yeah. Well, sometimes the data definitely contradicts the, the headlines. You got to be careful with the headlines. Clickbait. So we've been talking for close to a half hour here. We're probably going to wrap up pretty soon. But before we did, I wanted to make sure we hit all the salient points about the bonus round, which I think we did. You know, the bottom line is market's overbought. It could go overbought for a lot longer. We're going to tell you when uh, to expect the market crest, the peak to come. And you want to be holding outlier stocks and think about the long term and prepare to buy the dip for when it comes. Uh, because if you have the long term view, it's always a buying opportunity. So that's the main one. I wanted yep. to make sure we hit that point. And also, you know, are there any questions, comments? I know you like to go over people who either want to bash us or praise us. So uh, I'm just wondering if I missed anything there. Well, we had one person reach out, asked if we had an internal message board. Mm. Like a chat type of thing? Like a chat, you know, people have questions, you know, would have a moderator, something like that. So I actually asked a couple of people that are, I guess they'd be power users of map signals, you know. And, you know, for the for the time being, you know, the message that that I heard was, you know, let's, let's get some automation before we get a message board, you know? Yeah. I mean? And by automation, I think what Luke's saying is, um, we're working on technology that we can roll out to users where they can access the BMI up to the day, uh, with some pretty slick data visualization. That's just a fancy way of saying it's going to look cool. And when you move your mouse or your finger over it, it's going to, show you some data, and then we want to get the ETF big money buying into your hands because those two indicators are just the best, most powerful market signals that we have. Unique. Unique. And then eventually down the road, I envision a world where people are looking up their stocks, keeping portfolios, you know, getting different lists together, different types of investors, a lot of different ways to use our data. We're going to start simple. 
I would look for it in 2021, but I'm curious to get your feedback about that. You know, what, you know, what would you want to see if you could log into a database? Um, yeah. Just see the heat map. I want to see that big money index. So we're going to listen. Where's the juice going? Where we need a juice meter. Could you imagine, you know, the Robin Hood crew, like the traders, you know, getting like a, a morning update, like a little morning digest, little map juice, juice report. report. And they just like, get to see like, you know, they're going to see a lot of those names that have been just popping and flying, you know? Yeah, we, we could, it could be the juice report, like in the movie Trading Places with Clarence Beeks. Oh, juice report. <laughs> speaking of Christmas, I mean, if you guys need to see something to get you in the holiday spirit and it's, you know, stock market related, that's just a great one. We watch that a lot um, as a family during, uh, I think we watch on Christmas Eve. I, I don't think that's family friendly, Lukey D. Trading Places? Yeah, we got- With Eddie Murphy? Language, uh, various straits. Oh, listen, disclaimer, folks. I mean, it's like a, what, PG-13? What are we talking about here? You have like a four-year-old. What are you oh, talking about? Oh, no, 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 no. This is for the, the older crew. No, no, no. The the little five and three-year-old, they're they're. Sleep. This is, <laughs> is definitely topless in that movie. It is a R-rated movie, I guarantee. Wow. But wow. hey, that's how you do it in your family. That's fine, man. L listen, okay. listen, I hear you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so be careful with that Christmas. <laughs> Someone's embarrassed now. Um, anyway, it was a great chat. I think, I think we covered a lot of stuff. You know, these reader readers reaching out users reaching out telling us giving us feedback is is great of course we love the praise and you guys are awesome but you know suggesting things telling us how you want to use our data that that's really great stuff so feel free um you can always leave it in the comments you can send info at map signals or general email um but we love hearing from you and uh, you've been great about it so far. So keep it up. Butimus. All right. Well, I think this is enough. I'm going to go enjoy the, the snow out of the window. Wow. Well, it's not snowing here, sunny and 60, but I think it's going down to 40. So enjoy that. I miss it. Uh, have some eggnog early on if you can. And um Thank you for checking in with me. Luke. Hey, it's always fun. Just remember, don't follow the news. Follow the big money. Also, remember, wherever you go, there you are. There you are. <laughs> Bye. Bye, man. Thanks for tuning in. And please remember, this broadcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Investments can carry substantial risks. Before you make a financial decision, you should first consult your financial advisor.